De-dollarization is coming. Politicians in the U.S. are already freaking out about the prospect that they won't be able to punish other countries using the supremacy of the dollar. Brazil, in our hemisphere, largest country in the Western Hemisphere, south of us, cut a trade deal with China. They're going to, from now on, do trade in their own currencies, get right around the dollar. They're creating a, a secondary economy in the world, totally independent of the United States. We won't have to talk about sanctions in five years because there'll be so many countries transacting in currencies other than the dollar. That, that we won't have the ability to sanction them. You've probably heard people say de-dollarization will be the beginning of the end for U.S. hegemony and bring about an entirely new global financial system that replaces the dollar. And as crazy as that might sound, it's not only likely, but there are already dozens of countries working to make this a reality. To understand why the dollar's dominance could be ending, first we need to understand how it became so dominant to begin with. For over 100 years, the British Empire imposed an international financial system where the British pound functioned as the world reserve currency. A world reserve currency is used as the standard in all international trade and is usually the currency of the dominant power of the time. Controlling the world reserve currency conferred huge privileges to the British, but this changed during World War II. During the war, Britain had to let most of its colonies go because it had to dedicate all of its resources to fighting the war. Britain itself was also relentlessly bombed during the war, and most of its cities and factories were destroyed. In fact, basically every country involved in the war was seriously set back. Every country except the United States. The U.S. mainland was never attacked, and it spent most of the war building up its industrial capacity. The United States not only emerged from the war intact, but also the sole capitalist superpower. The United States used the crisis of the war to recreate a new world financial system in what was called the Bretton Woods Agreement. According to the agreement, the dollar would be the new world reserve currency. This gave the U.S. tremendous financial power because all of a sudden, Everyone needed the U.S.'s currency to buy and sell things, making the dollar the most needed and sought-after currency in the world. It was agreed that the dollar would be exchangeable for gold at a rate of $35 per ounce. In theory, this prevented the U.S. from just printing money because the U.S. would have to keep enough gold on hand to honor the exchange rate, and gold can't be printed. However, when it came down to it, the U.S. broke its promise anyway. In the 1960s, it became clear that the U.S. was printing way more dollars than it actually had in gold. French President Charles de Gaulle said the following, The fact that many countries accept as principle the dollar as good as gold leads Americans to get into debt, and to get into debt for free at the expense of other countries. Because what the U.S. owes them, it is paid at least in part with dollars they are the only ones allowed to emit. As the U.S. entered an inflationary crisis, countries started to demand their gold back. In order to stop the bleeding, the Nixon administration suspended the convertibility of the dollar into gold in 1971. The U.S. kept the gold and left the rest of the world holding dollars. In order to keep the world beholden to the dollar, the U.S. negotiated a secret deal with the Saudi monarchy in 1973 where the U.S. would offer Saudi Arabia military protection and in return, Saudi Arabia would only sell its oil in dollars. Since oil is the most traded commodity in the world, requiring the dollar for oil purchases essentially made the dollar a prerequisite for international trade. Economist Barry Eichengreen sums up just how beneficial this arrangement really was. Quote, it costs only a few cents for the Bureau of Engraving and Printing to produce a $100 bill. But other countries have to pony up $100 of actual goods and services in order to obtain one. 
The other aspect of this is since the entire world financial system is based around institutions created by the U.S., the U.S. uses this to punish countries it doesn't like. For example, the U.S. controls SWIFT, the digital payment system that's akin to the blood vessels of the world financial system. The U.S. has unilaterally banned countries like Cuba, Iran, and North Korea from SWIFT, essentially forbidding them from conducting international trade. The U.S. also leverages foreign countries' stockpiles of U.S. dollars against them. For example, when Russia invaded Ukraine, the U.S. froze over $600 billion of gold in foreign reserves held in U.S. and EU banks, making Russia unable to pay its foreign debts. Regardless of how you feel about Russia, U.S. control over the world financial system allows the U.S. to intervene in any conflict on Earth and financially ruin the side they oppose. This is the complete opposite of the free trade and political neutrality the U.S. promised when it built this globalized financial architecture. This arrangement is obviously incredibly beneficial to the U.S. elites, but there's only one problem. The system only works if the rest of the world, especially oil-bearing states, continue to use the dollar. This came up, for instance, with Muammar Gaddafi, who just two years prior to the U.S.-led carpet bombing of Libya, proposed the creation of a single gold-backed African currency called the dinar. An email leaked by WikiLeaks on Hillary Clinton's email server explicitly mentions Gaddafi's plan for the gold-backed dinar as one of the reasons for intervening. Iran, another big oil state, is under one of the worst U.S. U.S. sanctions regimes in the world. And Venezuela, who not only has the largest petroleum reserves in the world, but has also made several moves to sell its oil in alternative currencies, was the victim of a U.S.-backed coup attempt in 2019 where taking Venezuela's oil was discussed casually as one of the central motivations. Uh, so if you think of a company like Citgo, which is owned by PDVSA, which is the state-run oil company there in Venezuela, we have a lot of those Citgo assets right here in the U.S. Is that something for example, sir, that you're looking at? Yeah, well, we're in conversation with major American companies now that are either in Venezuela or in the case of Citgo here in the United States. It'll make a big difference to the United States economically if we could have American oil companies really invest in and, and produce the oil uh, capabilities in uh, Venezuela. It'd be good for the people of Venezuela. It'd be good for the people of the United States. Despite the U.S.'s repeated attempts to maintain its supremacy over the world financial system, more and more countries are setting up agreements to do trade in their local currencies and gold instead of the dollar. It would take too long to go through each example, so here's a list of countries that have moved to de-dollarize in the last year. Some notable examples here are France and China settling their first liquefied natural gas contract in Chinese Yuan, followed by French President Emmanuel Macron saying that Europe needs to lessen its dependence on the dollar. India recently announced that it would no longer require the U.S. dollar in foreign trade. Argentina and Brazil announced plans to create a common currency for South America called the Sur. At the top of the agenda of the recent ASEAN meeting, a grouping of 10 Southeast Asian countries was to, quote, reduce dependence on the U.S. dollar, euro, yen, and British pound from financial transactions and move to settlements in local currencies. One of the most notable examples is BRICS announcing that they'll be developing plans for a new currency at their next meeting. 
a currency that will be backed by gold and other crucial commodities. BRICS is something like a rival to the Western G7 alliance and stands for Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. This year, BRICS is set to expand with possible new members including Algeria, Saudi Arabia, Argentina, Iran, Turkey, and the UAE. This plan for a new currency begs the question, why would the world continue to use the dollar when the dollar is used as a weapon against the ones who use it? The great irony of the dollar standard is that it forces all of the countries that are rich in resources and labor to hand over their real wealth in exchange for pieces of paper that cost a few cents to print. When the U.S. suspended the dollar's convertibility into gold in 1971, then Treasury Secretary John Connolly shocked reporters when he said, the dollar is our currency, but it's your problem. Now the world is waking up and saying, this is our wealth you want, and that's your problem.